Well, welcome. My name is Brian Asker. I'm one of the pastors here at Crossview Rosa Park. Sandy and I are married, and we get to do life as well as ministry together. It's a lot of fun uh, to do that. And, you know, I was talking to another parent this week, and I'm talking about, you know, how you have to wait in line for your, to pick up your kids. And this other parent said, I hate waiting for my kid at the school, you know, uh, pickup place. And uh, I said, you know, I, I don't really mind waiting. Uh, usually if I get there a little early, I can grab my phone, I can send off a bunch of text messages, or I can, if I'm really, really early, I can grab my computer, pull it out, get a bunch of stuff done. But then I thought about it and I realized, am I really waiting if I'm pulling my phone out and getting a bunch of stuff done while I'm waiting for my kids? You know, I notice other parents don't seem to be very good at waiting either, because when I look around the parking lot, almost everybody, and then I notice this, when the kids get in the car, they're all staring at their phones. We hate waiting, right? It's horrible. Nobody likes to wait for anything these days. I don't know anybody that's good at waiting. I don't know anybody that likes waiting. We're downright terrible at waiting. Our culture even would say we hate waiting. I mean, seriously, nothing against cell phones and mobile devices and all that stuff, but I think it's made it so that we're not very good at waiting for things today. We always have something that can grab our attention, keep us occupied, something that we can do. But then, you know, we wonder why we're stressed out at work or that we never have any time to ourselves. Well, embedded in the Christmas story is the story of two people who spent a lot of time waiting. In fact, you could say all of Israel was waiting for something. If you want to open your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 2, we're going to be in verse 25 through 38. This is part of our series, Joy to the World Anyway. The first week we talked about how Mary didn't have to be alone in the mess. In the second week, we looked at the story of King Herod and how Herod tried to control things so that he didn't have to deal with the mess. Then we looked last week again at Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth and how they, how they dealt with worshiping God all the way in the midst of the mess. And today, uh, we're going to look at Simeon and Anna and how they waited in the midst of the mess. So, starting in verse 25, it'll also be up on the screen for you uh, as well. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, the text talks about this idea of the consolation of Israel. And I think to help us understand this a little bit, I want to go back and think about what is Israel's story of uh, how they have existed. So if we go back kind of to when King David became king of Israel, he was a great king. They ruled much of the Middle East and 
Their son Solomon, his son Solomon eventually took over, but it was the sins of King David that eventually led to the breakup of Israel. It became a divided kingdom. There were two kingdoms that were operating for a while. And eventually, they both collapsed and fell to other empires. And by God's mercy, eventually they got to return 70 years later to Jerusalem. But they were still under the rule of other empires. And so they held on to these Old Testament promises in the midst of all this, like Isaiah chapter 52, verse 9, that says, Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. So Simeon, along with most of Israel, would have been familiar with some of these things. He was a righteous and devout man, and it says here that the Holy Spirit was on him. And it was nice that it had been revealed to him that he would not die until the Messiah had been revealed to him. So then we find out in verse 27, Simeon was moved by the Spirit. He went to the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for, revela a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. You might say to me, great story, Brian. That sounds awesome. I mean, Simeon, you know, was promised that he would see the Messiah, and lo and behold, he gets to see the Messiah. How does that help me in the midst of my mess or our mess that we're dealing with today? I mean, like Simeon, we live in a messy world. We live in a world of division, relational tensions, stress at work or school, or even a health crisis. These things cause a mess in our world. For Simeon, in the midst of the mess of Israel, he remained connected to the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus shows up, he was moved by the Holy Spirit because he was connected to the Holy Spirit. And so one of the things that we can ask ourselves is, how are we connected to the Holy Spirit today? What does that look like for you? Well, one way that Simeon was connected to the Holy Spirit was through the, re the revelation that he had received from God, that he would see the Messiah before he passed away. But you might say to me, Brian, I'm not a character in Scripture. What have, what's been revealed to me? Well, quite a lot, actually. We have the entirety of the Old and New Testament that has been revealed to us. We can read it, we can learn from it, and we can understand a number of different things that God has revealed to us. And so I thought I'd go over just a few of the things I thought would be most important uh, pertinent to our conversation today. So in this passage alone, in verse 30, it Simeon prays and talks about Jesus being our salvation, that Jesus was the salvation of the world. Going all the way back to the early parts of Scripture, in Genesis chapter 1, we have the fact that God created the world revealed to us. And then in Genesis chapter 3, it affirms that we as humans believe the lie that we could somehow discern or tell or decide what was good and what was evil. And in doing so, we broke our relationship with God. And then in Genesis chapter 6 through 8, 
we see the flood story where God provides a way for humanity to be back in right relationship with God. And then the story repeats itself over and over again in the Old Testament where Israel and the people of Israel somehow screw up. They break their relationship. There's a you know, kind of brokenness. There's a part where they kind of get away from each other and then God redeems them and brings them back into right relationship. And we see that over and over again until the New Testament. Jesus comes into the world. God comes to earth as Jesus. Jesus identifies with us. He experiences all of the brokenness, the things that we have experienced, the mess of our world. Jesus owned the brokenness of the world. He went to the cross on our behalf so that we don't have to. And then Jesus overcame the brokenness of the world when he rose again. We have all that revealed to us in the scripture. And then if we now confess our sins and believe that Jesus is God, that Jesus is our salvation, we too can be in right relationship with God. That's the Christian hope. That's the story that we have as Christians, is that one day we can be together with Jesus if we do those things. But it doesn't mean that it's going to happen immediately. We still live in this broken world. But we have some other promises that Scripture talks about. Like, for example, in Romans chapter 9, it says that God works all things together for the good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. But again, that might be true, but we don't necessarily know how and we don't know exactly when that's going to happen. And then we have at the end of Scripture in Revelation chapter 21, it says God will take away all their tears. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All the old things have passed away. And then in Colossians chapter 1, it talks about how God is reconciling all things to himself. In other words, God is making all things new, all things right. Nothing, no one is left out of this if they want to participate. But it may not be on our timeline, the ways that we might think of it. One day, certainly, as Revelation talks about, there will be no more crying, there will be no more tears. But until then, we live in this space that Jesus has come, the kingdom has come, the now but not yet it has not come in its fullness. And Jesus tells us that he sends us the Holy Spirit as a comforter, as an advocate in John chapter 14. It reminds us that we have this person of the, of the Godhead to be with us. Just as Simeon had the Holy Spirit with him. Now we don't know how long Simeon had to wait. And we don't know all that he did while he was waiting. But we know that he was connected to the Holy Spirit. And we too can be connected to the Holy Spirit. There was also other things happening in the community. A little bit farther down in verse 36, there's another woman named Anna who was a prophet. Anna was the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So Advent is this liturgical season in the Christian calendar where we practice our waiting. 
we practice waiting for the second coming of Christ, which has been promised to us. But this is not a passive waiting that we have. Simeon and Anna were both devout people. They were worshiping God regularly. They were on mission with God. And like Simeon and Anna and all of Israel who were waiting for the Messiah to come, we too are waiting. We're waiting for the second coming of Christ when all things will be made right. And those who love God, those who have repented, will be reunited with God in its fullness. But what does it look like for us to wait in the meantime as we're living in this messy world? Well, first of all, I think like Simeon and like Anna, we want to remain connected to the Holy Spirit. So simply put, you might decide, hey, I'm going to put down my mobile distraction device and I'm going to spend some time. Maybe it's a minute, maybe it's five, just sitting in silence, letting God speak to you. That could be one way for you to kind of seize the day and spend time listening to God. Or maybe you want to redeem your mobile distraction device and you're going to download an app or something on your phone that helps you meditate on God. Maybe you download the YouVersion Bible app or Pastor Brad really likes uh, the, the Hallow app. Like maybe there's something like that that you're going to download that's going to help you spend some time listening to the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. Mobile devices don't have to be completely evil. We can use them for God's glory as well. Uh, whatever you do, find a way to remain connected to the Holy Spirit. Whatever that looks like for you, reading your Bible, praying, are ways that we connect to the Holy Spirit. Going to church, listening to podcasts and sermons and things of that nature can help us connect with the Holy Spirit and remain connected like Simeon and Anna. The other thing that uh, both Anna and Simeon did is they worshiped God. They spent time in the temple. And the good news is you might say, well, you know, church only happens once a week. Well, the New Testament tells us that if you are a follower of Jesus, your body is actually the temple. So you can worship wherever you are, wherever you go. You can spend time worshiping God. Maybe it's singing worship songs. Maybe it's praying. You can spend time worshiping God every day. You can put into practice these things that help us remain connected to Jesus. And then the last uh, thing that I think about in terms of what uh, Simeon and Anna were doing is they were on mission with God. They were doing the things that God had revealed to them at that time. So one way that you could participate this season, we have the ornaments sitting over on the table uh, over there, or if you're online, you can certainly uh, message us and let us know. We can send you. On those ornaments are prayer requests from some of our local ministry partners. You can pray for them. And then also on some of the other ones, there are physical needs that they've asked for. Maybe it's coats or mittens, practical things like that, uh, that you can pick up and you can drop off here or at uh, Howard Drive, and we can get those over to those places. Those are ways that we can be on mission with God, making all things new, uh, making all things right. We can join God in that. So as I was thinking about this uh, this week, I kept thinking about uh, a family in our midst, uh, the Rusted family. Uh, Steve and Tara worked for the school district, um, and they love kids. And they want to see kids experience God's uh, goodness, but of course they're in the school district, so they need to be careful about how they do that. But they've always wrestled with 
How do we help to the kids, particularly who are wrestling with the brokenness of the world, maybe broken families and things, um, maybe they're dealing uh, with issues of poverty, and so they've always thought, maybe we should do foster care. Uh, and recently, as they've been praying and worshiping, they felt like God said, now's the time. And so they've taken into their home a couple different kids. The Holy Spirit has moved them. And if you were to talk to them, they would tell you it's not always easy. It can be challenging. But I know that it drives them to more prayer and more worship. They're participating in the kingdom of God and making things right in this world in the midst of the waiting for the ultimate time when God sets all things right. And you may not be the roosteds. You may not be called to foster care. Some of you maybe are. Some of you maybe are called to adoption. Some of you are called to other things. But we're all called to participate in God's kingdom mission of making all things new. In the midst of the waiting, in the midst of the mess, we can join God in bringing God's goodness, God's love. We all long for a better world, a better place. And we're in the midst of the waiting. We can join God in staying connected, remaining connected to the Holy Spirit. So when God calls, we know what we can do and we can join in. Let's pray. God, thanks uh, for your word. And thanks for the reminder that there have always been people who have been waiting for your kingdom to come to make things right in this world. And we join those who before us have been waiting. We join those who before us have been trying uh, to join you in making things right in this world in the midst of the waiting. And we ask that you would guide us, that you would help us remain connected to you so that when the time is right, when we are moved by the Holy Spirit, that we can join in whatever it is that you're doing. We pray these things in your name. Amen.